Next Chapter Podcasts. I'm Michael Goodfriend. As head of scripted fiction at Next Chapter Podcasts, I'm always looking for a good story. And I found one in an old friend of mine who I met when I was a kid in Wisconsin 35 years ago. I used to know him as Jerry. Now he's Lama Tupten Rinpoche. Every Friday morning, for 10 weeks in a row, I tried to learn how that happened. These are my mornings with Rinpoche. If you have a question or comment you'd like to share, my email address is michael at ncpodcasts.com. Good morning, everyone. I hope you have made a decision to recognize that it is a wonderful day. When I got up this morning, I said, it's a wonderful day. No, I will engage in making this a wonderful day. No, this is a wonderful day. So everyone knows the movie, perhaps. It's a wonderful life. And as I have been reflecting during this process, it is a wonderful life. Uh, Last night, it snowed, and so I sat out for a moment, and I listened to the silence of the falling of the snow as I looked at the mountain and how the snow hung and draped off of the trees, a sort of sublimeness to it. And I said, I am blessed. So I hope this day you recognize how you are blessed also. As we begin, I just want to sound the bell. It's more for me. It gives me a uh, psychosomatic trigger to enter into a, I use the word alternate reality, (laughs) an alternate reality. But we are constantly moving in and out of various realities that we create. So as I was about to go on this morning and looking at the time, and thinking about uh, my colleague, uh, Monsieur Goodrin, and I was saying, we are linking up in a spatial, temporal, quantum field. We're syncing up his timeline and my time and the fabric of space have now met, and here we are. Listen to the sound for a moment, please. And in hearing sound, just like in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. At the end of the movie, every time you hear a bell, it says an angel gets their wings. Perhaps every time we hear the sound of the bow, another sentient being arises to Buddhahood and enlightenment, to be a star of light for the benefit of all sentient beings. May you be one of those flowers. May you be one of those stars that bring about loving kindness and compassion, joyousness and equanimity filled with knowledge and wisdom in this world. And we can say, especially during these challenging times, but are not all times seemingly challenging? But at the same time, they're also 
a blessing. Why a blessing? Because it's a wonderful life. <laughs> anyway, good morning, uh, Michael. Good morning, Rinpoche. I wanted to ask you, you said that last night you sat and looked at the mountain uh, as the snow came down. It's not the only place where you've been in the mountains where you are now, right? You've that been in other mountains. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have been as a place called Sopema. And Sopema is uh, located in northern India. And uh, obviously there's a very famous uh, cave there of uh, located at Sopema. Uh, and Sopema, uh, so meaning water, the, the lotus water. So water, Pema, flower. So the Sopema place is where many great yogis, male and female, uh, have realized. My master, my teacher, Kunjuk Malan Rinpoche, he spent, I think, six years, maybe more, six years living in a cave in this uh, Himalayan uh, region. And his teacher also spent time uh, in this uh, time, uh, mountain cave. But Rinpoche said he spent six years in one cave, which I saw. And then I think he spent three years in another cave. And I don't mean a cave where, you know, you have nice wood floor and lighting and, and bathroom and kitchen. This is like rough. This is rough more so than anyone I think of you would like to stay. When I also made retreat, not in a cave that my teacher uh, did, but higher up where there's this huge statue. You can Google uh, Sopetma and you'll, you'll see a huge statue of Guru Rinpoche. So my teacher arranged uh, for a short retreat in uh, one cave, in this cave of Guru Rinpoche. And right next to that cave, there's another called uh, Mandavada. And Mandavada is, was one of the uh, main student, main female students of uh, Guru Rinpoche. So I got to be in this very blessed place um, now, I, every now and again, I see it on the social media and I go, oh, I know this place, I sat right there. So I spent time in, uh, in those mountains there, but obviously I've also been in, in the mountains in, in Nepal, just outside of Kathmandu, up at a place called Nagagampa. So I spent uh, going many years there making uh, retreats uh, back, and, uh, back and forth. Was I in the mountains in China? Not yet, but maybe to come at some point. But mostly it has been in India, but also uh, I must not get for being in retreat up about 14, 15,000 feet, 15,000 feet in a retreat uh, cottage in Bhutan. So I've been in the mountains and, and made retreat in Bhutan on several occasions. And there's one famous master, uh, Kempo Nusha Kempo, so Nusha Kempo, I saw a picture of him in a book last night. So I spent time at his monastery um, and sat in front of his since passed, but we have, we call it Jordan. And the remain of the master is kept in this Jordan. So I was able to uh, sit in front of this Jordan of this great master and be in this retreat center. And then you can go up to about 16,000 feet and there's a, a statue of another great master, Long Chimpa, uh, Kunken Long Chimpa. And Longchenpa really is the one who codified 
and, br and brought all of these various uh, esoteric teachings together into uh, a cohesive unit. And it became long as Longchen Mintek, the heart drop essence of a great expanse. So I don't want to go, we could go to, what does that mean? The heart drop essence of the great expanse. Simply stated, it is nothing more than our own realized mind, our own enlightened mind. What is not the Mintek, the essence, the essence of our being is that heart drop essence that lies within each and every one of us. So I was able to sit at this place uh, in the mountains. I've been in the mountains and make retreat in Colorado. <laughs> I've been make retreat <laughs> in the mountains, in the, in the Uinta Mountains in Utah. And also some uh, make mountains in a place called uh, Ajijic, which is in Mexico. So I've had the good fortune and the blessings to be in sublime and peaceful uh, places and communities and sit with other practitioners who have dedicated themselves to recognizing this intrinsic enlightened quality, as I said, that it lies within all of us, that expresses itself in a compassionate way. But they do so not because they're trying to escape or for their own, they want to feel better, etc. And it's not to say that some of them are not doing this, but the main motivation, may I realize this very moment, so I may be of greater benefit to all sentient beings. And we can see during these difficult and challenging times to have loving kindness and compassion and joyousness and equanimity, starting with ourselves, that radiates out to others is most important. So when you ask me about the mountains, as I told the students, I look at the mountains with a certain, not the melancholy, longing, I'll say longing. I want to go find a small place. So in the years to come, all this, these things I have, this stuff, I looked around last night and go, how is it possible that one person can have so much Chachka. <laughs> you know this word, chachka. My grandfather would say this. My Portuguese Jewish grandfather, chachka. Get rid of all of it and just go to a small place in the mountains and sit, pass away, and hopefully come again. So going to the mountains, going to the cave is to simply be in the moment to experience the moment as entirely as possible? Well, it's a good way that you say that. The way you say it is almost like I call Ispen the rhinoceros. <laughs> to be in the moment, we are always in the moment. That's, the pro that's where we miss the point, I think. We're always present in that moment. And maybe when to go to these places of solitude and to go to these places where great masters have always sat, I've already sat, is merely to enhance or deepen our own, our connection to that space within us. So again, we can be a catalyst that may be able to help manifest or bring that recognition in to others. It's like, I don't know in your it should, yeah, the moon, the, looking at the moon the other night, coming up over the mountains. 
and walking outside and go, wow, there's the moon. Then I thought, oh, some people might think, oh, he's so silly. It's the moon, big deal. If that moon was to shift in any degree, it would be a big deal. So I have uh, gratitude to the moon. And when I see the moon, oh, moonlight. But the moonlight reminded me of the balance of the masculine feminine quality that permeates through the space, like the light of the moon. Every time I say, like the light of the moon, I hear that song, you know, the light of the moon. And then in The Wonderful Life, I'll bring the moon, or in some of the movies, pulling the moon down. So many, many, many things when you ask this question, this process of being and recognizing that every moment, every moment is a state of being. But every maybe continuum that in this constant continuum of a quantum flux, I'll use that word, of a quantum flux of space and time, we have no choice to be, but we seem to be unconscious in our being. And when we become unconscious in our being, then we fall uh, sway or the weight of our ignorance, our desire, misplaced, our anger, our lust, our greed, our pride, our arrogance, and our stupidity. And we think of these, oh, these are wonderful jewels. Like that phrase, my mother, we should say, yeah, ignorance is bliss. What does she mean? Ignorance is bliss. To not know is blissful? To be ignorant is blissful? I guess there's some value in that. Better I didn't know as I continue on my way. No, I would rather know as I continue on my way. So that way in this knowingness, one's own knowledge and wisdom, perhaps we can make better choices and make better decisions and have better command over orchestrating the realities in which we exist. Uh, anyway, that's what, when I step outside my door, I look at the snow, see the mountains, see the stars, sit on my seat, uh, even thinking last night, talking to, what, what, what does Michael want to ask me? Then I don't want to say I, I, I. I was sitting last night, who is this I? I don't, I don't have I, but I do have I. But it's all relative, isn't it? So trying to unfold the mystery of being, but maybe trying to be awed by the mystery of being. You know, so much social media now, I call peacock syndrome. You know, peacock, look at me. <laughs> then I thought, no, I just maybe don't look at me. But then I go, maybe my babble will be of some use to someone. I don't know, but that is my purpose, to be of use to everyone that I can. So don't worry about whether I or not I. Just talk to this gentleman and see what he invokes. So you have made me also thinking, what am I doing? There is a dichotomy here. Be present, I don't want to be present. No, you must be present. You've experienced so much more than so many. And you've traveled such a great distance, internally and, and physically both. How do you pass the time in retreat? Are you in meditation? How do you feed yourself? Can you talk a little bit about it? 
we do in retreat, we don't talk about. That the meditative and meditation is integral to us, to our mind. It's not a, it's not a mystery. But people always ask this question, and you must have been listening into my thoughts last night. Um, I was thinking just about this. Normally, how it is structured, real masters, they get up 3.30 in the morning. I was a little bit lazy, so I'd be up like 4.30. So a retreat practice traditionally would be divided into four sessions. Each session is uh, three hours long. Your early morning session, your mid-morning session, your early afternoon session, um, and then you have your evening session. And so, and many people will ask, well, what do you do? Just sit there? No, in uh, retreat, and, uh, and what's what you say, a practice session is prostrations. One, you must open your shrine, prepare the space. Preparing the space, then we make maybe many prostrations, press to prostrate, over our body, over our speech, over our mind. After that, then I may sit down, and then you just become, uh, uh, recognize the presentness of that continuity. I like to use better that word than, uh, uh, than moment. That presentness of that continuity and rest. Then you may, we have, uh, we have visualization, uh, then we have recitation of mantra and prayers, um, uh, various prayers to make offerings, um, to invoke, to invite, to receive the blessings of the enlightened ones, to acknowledge that there are enlightened entities in which one can receive the blessings from. One connects to their teacher with a sense of gratitude um, and a sense of longing to always be with one teacher, looking at my teacher last night, always seeing it in, in my mind. Then there may be periods of what we'll call resting, resting in the continuity of one's own awakened state. Yeah. Resting in the continuity of one's own consciousness, awareness. And one session, it, you might sit at 10 minutes. Then you might another long and long and another 10 minutes. And then another 10 minutes. So within the three hour period, perhaps you actually sat in this sense of quietness for uh, 30 minutes. Then my teacher says, 20 minutes a 20 minute session because after then the mind is like this but even some people have the three minutes the mind is like that so eventually one puts more focus on just sitting uh, my uh, present master i went to one place uh, kalimpong i spent time in kalimpong india uh, with lama dawar and i'm still in kind he's in retreat now in kalimpong india but the last time i spoke with him he said the main practice is the rest in the recognition of the unity of emptiness and awareness as one. Empty, but aware as one. Then he likes to, he holds up one finger, only the one, he will, only the one. Only rest, the last night practicing. Rest in the recognition of the unity of this oneness. Then another who is resting. Look to the rest of Let go. So there's periods. You have many things to accomplish within that three-hour period. So 
this is what, what we do. And then you say, yes, you get up, you have maybe most breakfast, maybe some juice and some hot tea and a piece of bread, a piece of cheese, or, and then practice. Lunchtime, then uh, maybe you have some vegetables and uh, some rice and yogurt and a fruit we would have. Then, and then in the afternoon, you have some tea and some crackers. And then your evening meal with tupa, uh, noodles. You have some noodles, noodles with vegetables, maybe a little uh, tofu, and and then finish to bed, then exhale. So in a retreat period, you could say, oh, I'm, I make one day retreat, three day retreat, five day, seven day, three month retreat, three years retreat. Then, like I said, my teacher spent six years retreat. Uh, then Kinsei Rinpoche, many men, Toko Urban Rinpoche, 25 years retreat. I don't mean not playing around, going down to the village and now talking on the cell phone and stuff. Retreat is so much different now. Now I go on retreat, okay, I have phone, I keep it for time. Um, but mostly if I'm going in, uh, in India, if I'm in the Bhutan, if, no, you don't cut everything off. I don't want to hear the news, I don't want the phone, don't call me. Then I put a sign on the door. Um, I'm in retreat, please don't disturb. The only person sometimes you'll see in the retreat is your uh, retreat master or your retreat attendant. Other than that, it really is, the idea is to pull back. What does retreat mean? To pull back. What am I pulling back from? I'm pulling back from my involvement in the samsaric existence. That's neither positive nor negative, but I recede and pull back to come back to one's self. And again, I know I can hear people, what self is there to come back to? Well, that's a whole nother dialogue and conversation. But to come back to that present continuity of being, I'll, I'll uh, phrase it that way. To be in the recognition of the continuity of one's being. What I would say to the audience I was thinking last night, recognize that wherever you find yourself this moment, this is your life. This is my life. Are you living your life with awareness and the recognition of being? Or are we just sort of going through the paces like some people just going through the motions, going here, going there, moments of happiness, moments of sadness, moment of being distracted, moments of worry, especially now. And I just thought, oh, it's all the blessing, isn't it? This is my life, this is our lives. Then I went on to ask, wanted to ask, how do you want to live your life? I purposely like to pause, as one of my teachers would do. In that moment when the question is asked, whether you want to see the banana or not, you see the banana. <laughs> Don't think about elephant. So therefore, how would you like to live your life? Are we aware that the continuity of being is a living of our lives? It goes like that, doesn't it? The next thing you know, fini. And hopefully at that moment of graceful exit, 
I was talking to another colleague. He said, if something was to happen to me this day, I can say I lived life. I lived, I have lived life. It's not over yet. <laughs> and so just reflecting and uh, talking with you, Michael, I've been reflecting the places, um, the teachers, practices. I've lived life. Now I don't need to go jumping around all over the place. Maybe a few more adventures, at least a couple more adventures when things become uh, more less challenging in terms of tra uh, traveling and gathering and worrying about this uh, virus or that virus, etc. But the main thing, wherever you find yourself, sitting at your table, having coffee, driving in your car, being at work, going out in the evening or just taking a walk in the park by yourself with your dog or with your loved one or companion. <sighs> Breathe. Live life. I like to say live life with passion. Create every moment. And that doesn't mean everyone has to jump around and gyrate and do. It's just taking a walk, enjoying. When you breathe in the air, I breathe in all the air so clean and crisp. Here. Now, granted, we've had smog here, but now it's cleared out because of the snow. So standing out last night, <sighs> how many phrases now we have these phrases, these, these catchphrases that embed themselves in our consciousness. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. How sad, I can't breathe. But there are people who are lying in hospital beds now. They can't breathe. And there are people who are lying in those beds who will breathe no more. So we take so for granted breathing and breathe until something puts the pin in it. You can't, you can't breathe, you can't move, you can't see, you can't hear, you can't taste, you can't feel. Therefore, how can you live? These are the things I've been thinking about based on your Michael. I have more questions I want to ask about being in retreat. So all of that time that you spend in retreat or that the great teachers have spent in retreat, my mind, my earthbound, uh, lifebound mind uh, goes, well, don't you want to live? in the world and you know what do you what do you take from i'm being purposely as ignorant as i can be because i am <laughs> what do you take with you from the retreat what does it teach you about the living of life to its fullest does, got it. does my making does my question make sense yeah. oh this is a wonderful question this is, again, things um, I was thinking about my other great master, Mamakazi Rinpoche. And he said, our way of practice is like walking on a razor's edge. If you have, you should watch this movie, Razor's Edge, Somerset Mong. This, Somerset Mong wrote this book in the 40s, I think. Um, razor's Edge, a remake with Bill Murray. Um, but... The question you asked and posed was, am I not retreating from life? 
and not engaged in that experience, all living is the experience uh, of life. Whether one is out going and doing about, and again, it comes, what do you, and how do you define the living life? Someone may define it, go skiing and snowboarding and going to parties and having people over and all the various things that we do um, that we call living and being engaged in life. But at least for myself and for my teachers, the way they approached it, by engaging in practice and retreating allows us to live life with a certain fearlessness, to not fear living life, to not fear not living life, meaning feel, do not fear the life and do not fear the death because they're interconnected. They cannot be separated, right? So when you ask about living the uh, life and being in retreat, where is the real retreat? Real retreatants. I used to do this. You go Grand Central Station and you sit on the bench in the middle of rush hour and you practice. You go sit at a restaurant on the Saint Gelaisay. Jotsang, you can look it up. Jotsang. You sit Jotsang on the Saint Gelaisay. You watch the life go by. You do Kora in Bodhana. Life. To be present is to retreat. The re real retreat must be within. There's no need going to retreat and thinking about what the people are doing down in town. You go to retreat, but you're constantly checking this anchor, this phone. It's not retreat. You go to retreat and you're worrying about, okay, what am I going to have for dinner? <laughs> not retreat. But when you come out of retreat, go to dinner. Go visit with your friends. Go for a walk. Do something a little crazy, but always say, uh, he said, go to a place a little bit dangerous and practice. So sometimes I go sit in a dark alley. I want to go sit in a dark alley. Ah, practice. You see where you're, when the difficult times come, then you find out where your practice is. When we are making retreat, some people think retreat is, is to escape. No, it's to engage to be more present in the continuity or the con continuation of being, but to do it with a certain fearlessness. Again, I was thinking, talking to Michael, to tell him to end, and I, many years ago, I didn't know, maybe when I first read Herman Hesse's Siddhartha, Siddhartha's journey, right? In this text, he, engages in living life. And I think I went to, maybe you know the Bijou, located in the in, in, in village area, the movie house Bijou. The late night where we go and watch the foreign movies and things of that sort. But I remember probably, and it had to be maybe in 68, 70, seeing the life of Siddhartha, which, the, which is the life of the Buddha to a degree. But there was this phrase when uh, Siddhartha leaves from Govinda and goes on his journey to engage in the world. 
and he's sitting outside by a wall and uh, he's asked how will you be successful in the world and he says i can do three things what is that i can meditate i can fast and i can be patient i have been saying that to myself of late i can meditate i can fast and i can be patient so i can meditate i can connect to the present being of my own existence with compassion and caring and kindness and love i can fast i can make do with whatever i have if i eat i can eat if it's rice or beans or vegetable whatever i can eat then be patient be open to whatever is coming it may be good as uh, perceived what mean whatever one engages the life and is open to the life experiences our life experiences is like we're in a dream you have dream your dream of being actor your dream now being producer your dream you entered into you have family you have children you have wife you have house all dreaming but you fully engage in it as opposed to fearing that's walking the razor's edge with the awareness of the oneness of being but engaging in the process of being and how it unfolds is how i thought about uh, thinking about uh, you last night we don't fear living and we contemplate going back to what we contemplate it's the four thoughts that turn the mind toward the dharma when we hear the word dharma the path turn my mind toward the path turn my mind toward the truth turn my mind toward the law the law of the universe turn my mind toward the way turn my mind toward being dharma so when we engage in this what we call uh, living the life or this uh, dharmic path is how do i have the resolve and the strength and the compassionness and the open to 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 i think like riding the rapids life is like riding the rapids is new in the boat you know that song i sung to you last time row 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 you boat gently down the stream then i would just laugh merrily 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 life is but a dream <laughs> so i always see myself just going like this oh this life but i'm engaged in it as i do the rowing also this ability to entertain and engage like right now we're in the middle of this pandemic good oh, this is a blessing in a way why because it's bringing us right in touch with the fragility of life but also the preciousness of life but we can also see the uh, the word how it has created such discord but that's part of it how do we deal with the discord of living how do we deal with the happiness of living we feel the discord but we want to gravitate toward uh, uh the happiness 
And one way we're constantly being, being, being like ping pong, back and forth, hope and fear. We hope over here or hope for this, we fear the worst, right? And sometimes we fear the best and hope for the worst. This is a strange thing in our mind. You get everything you want, then you're a little bit upset. You know, you have everything is going well. You know, maybe your grandfather, right? Don't worry. You just wait. The other shoe is going to fall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like even now something is going well. Okay. You just wait. You have house. You bought house, right? Every day you get up. Okay. What's going to go wrong? <laughs> you, you can't. No peace. You're sitting on a couch and you're hearing some noise. Oh, no. There goes the water here. <laughs> So, how just to go, whatever happens in the dream, accept and deal. So, we learn how to engage in life as life unfolds. But then I think, can we take it one step further? Is one at the mercy of what occurs? No, this is back to retreat. By connecting, even at your lowest point, you're connected to yourself, illusionary and non-existent as it may be, but one has learned how to make use of this, what we call self or ego, that allows us to be present in the continuity or the continuation of being. And someone's, I told someone, as my teacher said, just because I practice doesn't mean I know any more or less than you do. The only thing I would like to think is, I'm aware of it. I'm aware of my own insanity. I'm aware of my own delusions. Every day I said, my delusions, our delusions are inexhaustible. I will transcend them. Then I like to say to the students, my delusions, my fabrication of the reality as I wish it to be, or fear it to be, or hope it to be, that's my own, my own mind creation. If that is the case, then why not tell a good story to yourself? If I am disciplined, which we have difficulty with and fool ourselves, if I am aware, kind, and compassionate, then so will be the reflection within my reality. Even if it's horrible, one does not let go of those inequalities. Many stories are told. One is, uh, I'm not sure which teacher it was, but he was in prison for many years uh, in uh, this particular regime. And he said the only thing he feared um, when he was, I think it was a conversation one teacher had with His Holiness. He said, the only thing I feared during my time of imprisonment was that I would lose compassion for my captors. Having worked in some situations, uh, we would say the only difference between those who are incarcerated and those who are not is I have a key. <laughs> but the jailer and the jail come to the same place, don't they? Those who perhaps having worked somewhat in the mental health for brief periods. When I first started working in mental health uh, situations, then I would constantly think I'm exactly where 
I'm supposed to be. In fact, I could easily be here as one of the clients and patients, as opposed to a counselor, that I sort of saw it as a reflection of my own essence. And the only difference, as I just said, is I had a key. I could go and come. So when you ask that other question about all of this is connected to retreat, the real place of retreat lies within. And having come to that inner space of retreated, it's not that, oh, now I'm safe. Now I can let go. So you might say to retreat is to let go. Let go do what? Let go and be present in the continuity of being beyond hope and fear. So you go to retreat to find the place that you can retreat to when you go back into samsara, back into a daily life, back in, in the world. It's part of part of what I, I like what the you way discover you're, in retreat. The you open that place <laughs> of the questioning. I go to retreat to find. Then my mind says. I can hear my teacher says, who goes to retreat? And what are you going to find? There is no one going to retreat. There's nothing to find. That's what you discover. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just funny. <laughs> I go to retreat. Who goes to retreat? I could not find who went to retreat. And once I am in retreat, what did you discover? Nothing. <laughs> Now you can leave. <laughs> that was My Mornings with Rinpoche, with Lama Tumten Rinpoche and me, Michael Goodfriend. Our sound designer is Tay Blow with additional sound design and composition by John Gasper. Our engineer is Adam Bernard. If you have anything you'd like to share in the way of a question or comment for me or Rinpoche, my email address is michael at ncpodcasts.com. That's M-I-C-H-A-E-L at N as in next, C as in chapter, podcasts with an S at the end, dot com. I'd love to hear from you. And if there's a way to incorporate your messages into upcoming episodes of the series, I'll make sure it happens. And I'll let you know. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, tell your friends. Rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It really makes a difference, and it helps us know who's listening. Visit our website, ncpodcast.com, to learn more about all our shows. Next Chapter Podcasts.